Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We are here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is Monica Badiou, and today's guest is Kyle Jordan. He is a direct response copywriter who's written for a wide range of brands in e-com and online education. He's helped one of the largest digital marketing training companies increase traffic to their website by about 400%, double the size of their email list in one year, and help them come up with six new products. Kyle's also written for famous professional athletes and influencers, always with the goal of growing the sales of their businesses. His area of specialty is what he calls funnel renovation. He's helped multiple clients rehab their funnels and double their sales using his full funnel rules. And today we're going to talk about how to convert more prospects into buyers using email onboarding. But before we dive into our interview with today's guest, I have an important question for you. Do you own a course or an authority website? If you do, did you know there's a short list of techniques that can help you double to quadruple your revenue? It's true. There are about eight techniques we use to help online course creators grow their revenue. And the average rate of return from using these techniques is 428%. And if you want to know more about the eight techniques and how they can help scale your income, go to courseprofitreport.com. On that page, you can access a short 10-question survey, which only takes three minutes to fill out. And after you fill out the survey, my team will create a personalized profit increase report for you. In that report, you'll learn exactly how much you can increase your revenue by using the eight techniques. And we'll even show you which technique to start with first. And then we'll even show you how much each technique can grow your business. And you're also going to get an exclusive training on all eight revenue increasing techniques. So go to courseprofitreport.com, fill in the short survey, get your free personalized report, and discover the proven way to double, to quadruple your course or authority site's revenue. And now back to the show. Carl, welcome. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think our listeners are going to have a lot to learn. So how did you get into copywriting? Yeah, it's kind of a weird story. I wasn't writing at all. I was working in entirely different profession. And I just happened to like, I was starting to get burned out with what I was doing. And I was just sort of noticing this online marketing thing. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, knowing nothing about it. And I happened to be on the email list. A, a marketer talked about advertising and Google Analytics and he put out that he was hiring a copywriter. And I, like I said, I didn't really know what a copywriter was. But the one thing that caught my attention is he didn't want um, resumes or anything like that. He's just like, I'm just going to have you write for me. It'll be an open tryout. So I figured, hey, maybe that's something I could do. So I just kind of went for it, having really little to no idea what I was doing. And then just through the process of writing, I wound up getting selected. Um, and I still remember the the first thing he said to me, it was Jeff Sauer from Data Driven You, who I kind of owe my copywriting career too. Uh, he said to me, you can write, but you don't know shit about marketing. So I'm going to teach you. <laughs> I'm going to teach you that. And over the next four years, he did. He took me under his wing. And it was a really cool experience because I didn't just get to learn about copywriting. I learned about the sort of the data-driven side of marketing, how to use Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, all these fancy tools. So I couldn't imagine getting luckier 
as a way to sort of get into the business. But yeah, it was it was odd because I wasn't even thinking about writing at the time. I just sort of saw an opportunity and went for it. And uh, I'm still doing it. Well, you never know where life takes you. So what do you specialize in from like all the areas of copywriting and everything you've learned from DDU? What's your area of expertise? Yeah, it's sort of been fluid over the years, right? But the where I'm really helping clients right now is what I would call funnel renovation. And what I find, and I know you find the same thing when you look at a lot of clients' marketing, is that usually it's there are points of leverage, right? So if you look at a funnel, there's going to be different points of leverage. It might be um, a landing page for some people. Other people might have a really good landing page, but they just don't have any email follow-up. They don't have an email onboarding sequence. So there are different points of leverage in a funnel. And it's usually not just recreating the whole thing. It's usually renovating it. You can find one or two areas. Maybe it's the sales page that really need an increase. And that starts with just examining the whole funnel from the top down and then finding what is that weak spot where if you did some 80-20 improvements, you would double your returns. And so that's what I look for when I go into clients marketing and do an audit. And more often than not, one of the areas I find where people have a weakness is email marketing. And it's, it's usually just because that's the one area where people are uncomfortable with. It's the last thing you think about when you're building all your sales material. But it's also probably, uh, without a doubt, the best cost for result investment because it's just where you're going to be able to nurture your best prospects and it drives a ton of sales uh, if you know how to do it right. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Email marketing is usually the last thing people want to optimize or even look at it. And there's a lot of online course creators who are just focusing on like the entry part of their funnel, getting more leads in, but they don't have any of the follow-up strategies to make sure that those leads actually convert down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also, it can be uncomfortable for people, right? Because all of a sudden you have this list of people and you're like, oh, what do I do with it? You know, should I, I don't want to annoy them. I don't want them to unsubscribe. And so oftentimes people look at it the wrong way and they're very hesitant about it. And that actually holds back your business. Uh, and it sometimes can hold you back from making 50 to hundred percent more revenue than you would be if you leaned into it and built out the right processes in email marketing. A lot of that just comes down to having automation because then you don't have stress about it. You don't have to think about it. You build it once and just like your, your sales page or your landing page or your course, it keeps producing over and over again for you. Yeah, that's actually something that I think people, they're just not, there's not a lot of focus on this in terms of like marketing education for course creators, but with a good automated sequence, you can actually get a very good return on investment, let's say. So if you have like a paid funnel and you only care about getting that lead, but then everything that happens in the background, that's just not important anymore. You're kind of like losing a lot of money there because you have an opportunity to get, to transform that prospect into an immediate customer, like beyond yeah. what happens with like a tripwire offer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I know one of the things we're going to talk about today is those those first days of emailing your email onboarding what you do with a with a new prospect who signs up for your email list and, and i think you're absolutely correct there isn't a lot of education or a lot of good education around what do you do other than just saying hello thanks for being on my email list and then 
trying to figure out, you know, where do you go from there? And the other thing that people often, I think, misunderstand that's under the radar is you and I see it because we're in the back end of a lot of different email marketing tools. But when you build an effective email onboarding sequence, um, you're going to have your highest open rates, your highest click-through rates of any email you send is going to be in those first emails you send to a new prospect. And that is going to be build your email list for life. And what I mean by that is when people get those first emails and they open them and they click them, and they respond to them, you're building signals within their own inbox that's saying, hey, I want these things. I want to receive them. And you're increasing your overall list health. So it isn't just the conversions you get on the front end. It's also the conversions you get down the road because you've built a solid relationship from day one with that new prospect. Okay, that sounds amazing. Before we move into the deeper parts of how to use email marketing to onboard prospects and convert them and warm them up, this just came up, but you do have some experience with e-com. And I think this type of email marketing is mostly used in e-com. And I think it's why a lot of online course creators don't think that it could work in their industry as well. Yeah, I, that that is true. You do see e-com businesses being a little more aggressive, I think, with email marketing, but you still see the same mistakes. And that is just sort of not really knowing how to connect the messaging to what somebody who's just discovering your product is going through. And I think it it's one in the same. Certainly there's different angles when you have a physical product versus a course or something like that, but you can approach it the same way. And I've done both. <laughs> and I use the same methods for both, whether it's a course creator or an e-commerce brand for the most part, because the same messaging works. And it's really more about your prospect than it is about your product and what they're experiencing. And somebody who's discovering a new solution, because that's what they are discovering, they're going to have the same mindset pretty much, whether it's a course or whether it's a physical product. Cool. So for the people listening or watching this podcast today, what's one thing they should remember? What What should they do right now to make sure that their email marketing isn't just like another channel that collects costs, but actually has a return on their investment. Yeah. Yeah. If I were going to do one thing with an email list, it would be build out that welcome, that onboarding sequence. And I would start there. And if you can only get three to four days in, that's better than no days. A lot of times when I go into an audit, I will see that there might be a lead magnet delivery email, especially for a course creator. But after that, there is no onboarding. There is no founder's story. There is no talk about you know what comes next for that prospect after they have your lead magnet and they discover whatever you shared with them there. So that is the number one investment I would make. And I would say if you're not making that investment, your email list is probably suffering because of it, because of a few of the things I mentioned. One, obviously you are going, you are going to lose sales, but it's going to be harder to keep the interest of that person who just subscribed to your email list down the road. And you're probably going to see more people who are disengaged with your email, unfortunately, because of it. So I would really put the investment in putting everything else on hold until you get that onboarding sequence set up and you get a few days of automated emails in there at least, uh, because it's going to make such a difference. It, it's one of those like a rising tide, it lifts all ships types of things when you build that email onboarding sequence. 
I think we should also mention that this is one of those tactics that actually helps you build trust and stand out from the crowd. Because let's face it, your course is not the only course in the market. And taking that time to actually build the trust and get to know your lead is going to reap benefits uh, down the line. And now I'm, I'm just coming at it from like the Black Friday perspective where everybody throws deals at you. And if you haven't had the time to build that relationship with your leads, they're going to have a hard time to, first of all, spot you in their inbox because then it's going to be filled with tons of emails from other people as well. But they're also not going to be, I know what this person does. I know what their course is all about. I know why I should invest in his course. And yeah, I haven't done it until now because it was too expensive, but hey, Black Friday. So you that onboarding sequence, let's call it that, that welcome sequence, can actually help prepare people for a promotion down the line. So what's your process? Do you want to walk us through that? What's, I don't know, is it... Does it follow a specific emotional journey or psychological journey where each email kind of addresses an objection or do you just walk them through a specific roadmap? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a seven-day process and you can, it's one of those things where you could condense it down to five, four days if you wanted to, or you could string it out to 10. Some people I've worked with are more comfortable doing it over 14 days as far as onboarding new prospects that that come onto your list. But the big thing I always tell people when you're making your onboarding sequences to make it disgustingly good. And when I say disgustingly good, I don't mean to just disgust your prospects, you know, send them nasty pictures or something like that. But the big emotion you want to consider when you're creating your onboarding sequence is disgust. And I'll give you an example of this. My mother said to me the other day, you know, I am fed up with getting a poor night's sleep. And she, that day went out and bought a new mattress. She was just disgusted with what was going on in her life. So she made the decision to make a change. When somebody is disgusted, fed up with, or just done with something, that's the moment they're ready to make a change. And oftentimes when we're thinking about marketing or email marketing, we're thinking about like, what are the features and the benefits and the offer I can make? But what is that one emotion that's going to get your prospect to say that you can bond with your prospect over and, and it's going to get them to say, huh, you know, I am ready for this. I am ready to do something different. I've tried everything else and I just don't want that experience anymore. I finally want to attain my goals. I want to move to the next level, whether it's I want to learn to play guitar or I want to learn to speak Spanish or lose weight, whatever it is. So I say the key to all of it is to try to make it disgustingly good. And that doesn't mean it has to be perfect. That just means you're going to use your onboarding sequence to bond with your customers, your prospects over the things they don't like. And so with that in mind, I can kind of walk you through briefly through each sort of seven days in, in the sequence. And it starts really simple. The first one, and this rule comes from another copywriter, uh, Justin Blackman. I didn't make this up uh, myself, so I'll give him the credit. It's let the thing do the thing. So whether somebody's coming into your world and you're offering them a discount or a lead magnet or whatever, the first email is pretty simple, right? You want to get that in their hands, stress why it's important, and just let the thing do the thing. Um, we can all do that. It's pretty straightforward. The next message 
is where you start to really sort of get into, like I said, making your email onboarding, your email welcome sequence disgustingly good. And this is where I usually, if I'm writing it, I, I will write a founder story or a mission story, and I advise clients to do the same. And the reason behind that is founders, course creators, we create products with lots of intent. I have yet to meet a course creator who didn't create their course to help solve a problem that they experienced. You know, They went through the struggle of trying to learn how to do Google ads, or they went through the struggle of trying to learn how to play specific notes on the, on the piano. They had to teach themselves. They experienced other products or systems or techniques that they tried, and it didn't work. And that's why I found your story is so powerful because you can share all those things that you tried and, and how they disgusted you and how they made you fed up and how they didn't work out and why you created your product with a different intention. And whether you realize it or not, because you may be removed from it, you may be several years removed from it at this point, your prospect is probably going through those same things. And so you're going to create a bond with them. And in a way, you're also going to kind of become their hero. And so the, the founder story is really a great way to share in that disgust. And that's why I have it as the, the second email in the sequence. And that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of Simon Sinek's Why book. And it's basically that, like, when you convey the mission you have, you allow your audience to see beyond, like, the surface level of things, like, get this course to solve your problem. No, it's beyond that. It's your mission to change the world for people who have faced the same problem just by giving them a solution that would work faster or easier or, I don't know, without all that overwhelm. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, it's also one of those things that sort of speaks to status of, of your prospect, right? Because we don't just buy products because we want another product. I mean, even if you're just buying a broom or something like that, we always want to see that it speaks to who we are. So when you let your prospect know what you stand for, if they identify that, you've created a bond that's far more than like, what are the features in your product? You've created a bond that says, okay. I created this for you. And so that speaks to your the status of your prospect. And they're going to enjoy that. They're going to enjoy knowing what you stand for. And even better, if they don't agree with you, then your product's probably not right for them. And they're going to find that out too. That makes sense. I also think this helps with like the before and after bridge because mm -hmm. they're in the before state. They are still in yes. the problem. They don't yep. know what solution to pick. And then you have already solved your problem and you're showing them here's what's possible. And by telling them your story, you, they're basically reading their potential story. That's yeah. very smart. Yep. yep. They're following, they're following in your footsteps. Then after the founder's story, I usually follow up with what I call the differentiator. And this is another one that can be really straightforward. This is where you can speak to the features and benefits of the course you've created. Uh, how is it different from the other things that are out there? So you may have created X feature or benefit to, to solve problem. And this is your secret sauce, really. Uh, you're revealing the features and the benefits of your course. How are they your secret sauce? How are they the sort of special weapon that's now going to get your prospect from that pain point across that bridge, as you said, to the point where they are getting the outcomes they want? So the differentiator is, is your secret sauce. From there, the next one on the list is answer the big question. So this happens with every course creator I've ever worked with <laughs> is that if you've had a course, probably even for more than a couple months, you've seen the same question over and over again. You've seen it come to you 
And so you know what it is. You know what the big question is that your prospects want to know, whether it's how many videos are in this course or, you know, how long do I have to, to complete X or Y, that type of thing, or, you know, will this help me do this one thing that I really want to do? This is where you want to answer that. Now they understand your mission, why you created your course. They understand what makes it different from anything else out there. They know what your secret sauce is and why it's right for them. And the last thing that's probably holding them back is, you know, will this accomplish this one thing for me? And this is where just where you simply address that. You can do it by actually sharing the question, saying, hey, I heard, you know, Paul messaged me the other day and he wants to know, and then you just answer it. Or you can say, this is, you know, the big question I get from everybody. Um, but this is really where you want to handle that because it's not just a question. You have to realize that it could also be an objection because if they never discover if your course will help them get that one outcome or get them past that one problem, even though they've heard all these other things, um, that could hold them back. So you want to answer the big question. I think that can also help them reassess their expectations, maybe. Like these are, this is what's possible and this is how it works and this is who it works for. So at this yeah. point, if your prospect finds that your solution is not right for them, they just this can disqualify themselves out of the selling process, which I think it's yeah. very good. Yeah. And usually when you, when you sort of, you know, if you've, if you've followed the DDM advice, which you should have, and you surveyed your audience, you really know what the big questions are. So there may be one or two and you can answer more than one or two. But even for somebody who doesn't have that exact question, they're going to tune in because it's probably somewhere in the back of your mind. If you've heard it five times, then assume most of your prospects have that same question. You're not going to do them any disservice or, or turn anybody off by answering a question that wasn't the number one on their list. Yeah. So you're going to find that 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 moves the needle quite a bit. From there, things get a little easier. And email number five is just blow them away with results. These are This is like your testimonial style email. Once again, you can share screenshots of people thanking you or, or their results, but you really want to focus in on when you blow people away with results is the results though. It's great to hear somebody say, you know, I really enjoyed your course. Thanks for creating it. And you can certainly share that message. But if somebody says, you know, every other uh, guitar course, I quit. I quit playing. I stuck with this one because the way you created the modules or the way you did this or that, and now I'm playing every day, something like that. So, so focus on the results. If you can, if you don't have testimonials story, this is a great place to use story and share, you know, one transformation story, even if it's your own, once again, just use story and show the results. The next email in the sequence is to blow them away with benefits. All right. So you've blown them away with the results. You've answered the big question. Now this is the time for the benefits. So if there's bonuses, if there's extras, if there's all the other things they're going to get, I call this the, the price justifier because the last question on their mind is probably at this point, they know your course is tailor-made for them. They know you can get them the outcome they want. They've seen that other people have gotten the exact outcome they want, but they might be thinking, do I really have the money right now to spend on this? And the truth is, if they're considering it, they probably do. They just want to know that they're they're not getting sort of taken advantage of or that they're getting good value for their money. So you can blow them away the benefits, extras, all the things, all the little things you threw in there with your offer to make it nice and juicy. This is just simply, you can bullet them out. You can explain each one. 
Um, but really what they want to see, this is more of a skimmer email. They just want to see it's it's chocked full of things that matter and that will matter to them where they feel like they're just getting a great deal on this. They have to go for it now. So that's number six. And then the last two are really simple. It's the going and gone. And this is where whatever your, your sweetener is in your onboarding sequence, and we didn't talk about this from the outset, but if you have a discount, if you have a bonus, whatever it is in your onboarding sequence, most course sellers usually have some type of discount in the first seven days or some type of little extra your customer can get. This is where you just want to remind them this is their last chance to get it. And then remind them again, it's just about to go away. And Monica has a, I've listened to it, a whole uh, podcast episode on going, going, gone. It's brilliant. <laughs> Even if you're an advanced copywriter, you should re-listen to it because I think sometimes we underestimate how important those last emails are when you're offering something and you're taking it away. Uh, they are super important. It's where most of your revenue is going to come in because even if somebody really, 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 really wants your course and they have it on their list of things to do, more than likely they're not going to do it until you say, hey, this is going away. It's just human nature. Um, we don't do things until the deadline hits. We've been trained to that. So going and then going are the last two. And you're going to see huge performance from those emails. Wow. Thank you, Carl. So let me just summarize. So we have like seven days or 14 days of emailing daily. Yep. And we walk them through a journey. Email one, let the thing do the thing. Email two, the founder story. Email three, how this is different. Email four, answer a big question or a big objection. Email five, show them what's possible in terms of results, but actual results. Email six, blow them away with benefits so that they can justify the price themselves. And then email seven and eight going, going emails. You mentioned a discount, and that was actually something that I wanted to ask. So in all these emails, do we have a discount or a link for them to buy with a discount? Do we have a call to action, a reminder, or do we just keep the reminder in the last maybe five emails or four emails? Yeah, it, it depends on the way you've structured your overall funnel. Most companies, internet-wide, have some type of bonus, whether like e-commerce, uh, it's usually like free shipping or a discount for the first you know seven days. In course selling, it's usually we have a discount, right? Or a bonus in the first seven days, like you know, get the free ebook when you buy the course or get, get both courses in a package deal, something like that. You want to, from the outset, the only email where I might hold that back is the very first one where you let the thing do the thing, all right? But if you can, you know, I've done this, is oftentimes you can you can reveal that discount in the lead magnet email as well because they probably at that point seen your course they may have seen your offer if you've done it right if you followed the ddm process they have seen your offer <laughs> so you know they know what's out there um but yes i'm i would mention the carrot to take action now in every email two through eight the only one you may hold it back from is let the thing do the thing. And that's if you feel like you're overwhelming your prospect at first, you just want to get that lead magnet in their hands. Or obviously if your thing is a discount, you're going to mention it in that first email and you're just going to give it to them. And, and from there, you'll go into your, your welcome sequence, but absolutely get that discount out there if that's what you're offering it. And the other thing I would say that I've found huge results from is when you say that discount is just for the first seven days, mean it. 
you can take it away forever. You can have other sales, other promotions, but that first discount should be unique because people can tell when it's personalized, when it's for them, when it's unique. And when they can tell that and they know it, you will see a sizable bump in conversion rate. I can think of two objections to all of this. One, aren't people going to be mad that I email so frequently in their first <laughs> days with me? Like, aren't they going to unsubscribe really fast and they, they're they not going to go beyond, I know, email three or four? Is this going to impact my inbox visibility and things like that? What's your experience with this? Yeah, so my experience is the opposite. And just anecdotally, I would, I would explain it like this. If you went to lunch with a friend and you were discussing a topic and they got really interested in it and you had done a bunch of research and were sort of an expert on it and you were sharing things you knew about it and they were said to you, hey, can you send me that article that you referenced and um, your other research? Will you go ahead and send that to me uh, when you get home? And you said yes. And then you didn't send it to them for like 10 days. Do you think they'd be more annoyed that you waited 10 days to send it to them? Or be annoyed that you sent three messages that says, here's the article and here's what else I know. Oh, and by the way, here's this other thing. You know, they'd probably more, be more annoyed that they asked you for something and you waited 10 days to follow up with them. I know that happens to me all the time. I ask somebody for something and they don't get back to me for a week and it's annoying. Your prospects coming onto your email list, they know they're signing up for your email list. If they're turned off by getting thoughtful emails from you, then they're not right for your list and, and let them unsubscribe. The, the data side of it is when you create a tight onboarding sequence, like the one we just went through, a welcome sequence, the way we just talked about, like I said, you will see those emails will have the highest open rates and the highest click-through rates of any emails you send. And what that does is set up your new subscriber to become a brand fan, an engaged subscriber. And you're going to see that carry out through your, um, daily broadcast campaigns, just regular emails in the flow of your business, your newsletter, whatever it is, you're going to see your open rates and click-through rates increase there as well, because you're engaging people right from the start, instead of saying, letting them come in and saying, hey, I have this exciting stuff for you, and you're not going to hear about it for another 30 days. So it actually has the opposite effect. And I know it's scary. I've been there myself, creating a list for myself. And I was like, oh, is this too much? Is this going to be annoying? So even when you're you're writing these emails all the time for various different brands, I know how scary it can be and to be like, God, this is too much. Just based on experience, based on data, lean into it. It's going to be the best thing you will ever do for uh, your email marketing is creating that onboarding and welcome sequence. Hmm. I think a lot of online courses and online businesses are so afraid of seeing one person unsubscribed from your email. And one of the questions we get often is like, what's a normal unsubscription rate? Or mm -hmm. why are so many people unsubscribing after getting my lead magnet? And the answer is very simple. They got what they needed. And right mm -hmm. now they don't need anything more, which means they're not the right person for you. Plus if your messaging didn't really create the next step for them, they're just going to assume that's it. I got my lead magnet and I'm out. So this sequence can actually show them here's what's next. If you don't show them what's next, they're just going to go and find what's next in another place. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when we talk about if you have 
zero emails in your welcome sequence right now and you're just delivering a lead magnet or you're not doing anything, it can seem like a, it can seem really overwhelming to talk about writing eight emails. So I would say, you know, this is a process. It doesn't have to happen all overnight. You can write one at a time and add them to your onboarding automation, not having, you know, the last three, but the, the rest of them, you're still going to see better results. So take it mm -hmm. one step at a time. And you can also optimize. If you see people are coming in and they're grabbing your lead magnet and then they're just going away and your unsubscribe rate's really high after that first email, you can tease the next thing and give them the lead magnet and tease what's coming next. And that that may reduce your unsubscribe rate. If you notice one email in your sequence is really just missing the mark, that's going to happen. That happens. You know, I know that happens to me all the time and I have to go back and optimize it. But the first step is is good, not perfect. And from good, you can go to better and it's never going to be perfect, but it will be the one thing I've seen it time and time again. Every time I do an audit for a client, there's almost always optimization of their onboarding sequence. And those little optimizations have a huge effect on not just their bottom line, but how well their email list performs overall. In your experience, how much time should someone wait before they can see they can look at this onboarding sequence and say, okay, this works and this doesn't. And then how often should they do that so they can optimize? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see improvement right away. And I, I know that's, I, I hesitate to say that, but that's what happens every time I do this is that, you know, we, we revamp it and right away you see improvement. One of it's just, if you're only sending three and it's going well, and you move to eight, well, the volume is actually going to increase uh, your success. So there's a volume play here, and then there's also the the tactical edge you, you give yourself by doing this with doing this with purpose and and following a pattern here. As far as optimizing it, I give yourself plenty of time. Let it run for a while. This is a lot of you know this may feel overwhelming. It may feel a lot of like a lot of work for some people. It may be easy and more power to you. You know I do it for a living, and I don't I wouldn't call it easy. So once you get it going, let it run. I mean you can check it once a week if you want. You can. I would follow the DDM advice and have metric tracking. And this is going to be part of the KPIs you look at is your, your welcome sequence, what's going on there, because it is going to be a huge contributor to your sales. It's almost going to be like, you can look at it a little bit like you're running that big promotion for every new subscriber that comes in. You're running your biggest and best promotion for every new subscriber that comes in and, and it's evergreen and it's, it's there for them. So after a month or two, you're going to really be able to look at it and say, oh, okay, here's what's happening. And I, But I wouldn't stress about it once you get it done. Let it run for a while. You're going to see better results. And then you can think about, is it time to optimize um, and make small small tweaks? Okay. I have a, a more technical question. What happens if I know somebody opens the first email, but they don't open the other ones? Are they just kind of removed from whatever is coming next, a promotion, are they sent to a re-engagement series? Are just like, are they just unsubscribed? What happens? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how advanced you want to get with the, the technical side of email marketing. You could certainly move them to some type of re-engagement sequence if they didn't open anything. They came and got your lead magnet. They never opened another thing from you. You could move them to a re-engagement sequence. I'd probably wait 30 days after they're on your list to do that. I would try to, if you send newsletters or broadcast emails, I'd want to see once or twice that they didn't respond to that either. 
And then that's kind of what we call a disengaged subscriber, right? It's been a month and there's no interaction. So you could move them to a re-engagement sequence. And I know that that's going to be, that's either going to be on the podcast soon, or it's already been recorded at this point. You, you want to listen to that one because DDM just ran one of the best re-engage, the best re-engagement sequence I've ever seen. So listen to that, do yourself a favor. The other thing you could do, like I said, is just give it a little while, run them through your newsletter, that type of thing, and then have a disengaged segment on your list. So that way you know who it is, you know how many people that are there, you can track it and then you can decide for yourself. Do you want to scrub the list? Is it time to get that person off the list? Do you want to mute them from campaigns because they're not going to help your performance? There's a lot of different technical decisions you can make. Yeah, this is one of the hardest decisions any business owner has to make clean up my list, disengage yes. people, and it hurts. Yep. It hurts. This was amazing. I'm just curious to see when you implemented this strategy for one of your clients, what was the situation when you got such amazing results that you were like blown away by how effective this is? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just give you one example. There are many. But the, the most recent example is they were converting about 3%. So about 3% of the customers coming in or prospects coming in to their email list were making a purchase. And we moved to this, this new eight-day, eight-email, seven-day sequence. Now they're doing 15%. So that is a huge, huge increase. And 15 to 20% conversion rate from your welcome sequence is, is pretty exceptional. There are brands that do it. I think those are great numbers. But I think the thing is just to, what you're going to see, the other thing is, is you're going to see responses. Finally, if you feel like, you know, nobody ever responds to your email, um, this is going to emotionally engage them. And there've been other lists where we've seen, yes, we've seen the big jump in numbers, but it's also, you know, somebody's finally responding. They're like, wow, I actually know it's not just iOS telling me somebody's opened this because somebody, somebody responded to my founder's story and said, I, thanks for sharing this. And I've, I, you know, this is, this really annoyed me too. And sale is obviously the ultimate result, but that, that's such a great feeling, right? Too, when you create a brand fan and they tell you it and you know they're glued into what you're doing too. So I've never seen this go backwards. I'm sure there are scenarios where it can, but I've never once seen somebody implement this system and say, oh, my results are worse now. It hasn't happened. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. A lot of value in here. Thank you, Kyle, for sharing all of that. If people who is are listening now if they want to learn more do you have a website or a place where you tell them more about this strategy yeah i, I do have a website it's called full f-u-l-l funnel disclosure you can go check that out i have an email list there where i talk about all these things and i actually do monthly i do funnel breakdowns so just out of my own curiosity because i am a marketing nerd when I see a funnel that is really exceptional and I know it's been running for a while or it's just doing something different, I'll go and investigate it and I'll do a full breakdown. I'll look at the ad, the, the landing page, the emails, I'll pull them all for you and I'll, I'll put them in a blog post and do a full breakdown. So if you sign up for my newsletter, you can get those breakdowns and check them out and hopefully you'll enjoy them. And I talk about other weird stuff that goes on in the world of copywriting, like pretending to be other people and, you know, all sorts of the weird stuff we have to do as well as, you know, all the email tips and, and the funnel renovation tips as well. Awesome. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for joining and look forward to checking out your newsletter. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Monica. I really appreciate it.